Blue Wire Podcast. Yes, sir. Welcome into All Eyes on Cleveland. Not on its normal night. We are here on a Thursday evening. Uh, welcome aboard. Welcome in. The best chat in the land. Good to see you here. My name is Brad Ward. I am your host uh, on this uh, wonderful, beautiful Thursday evening in Northeast Ohio. It's uh, glorious outside and uh, good to see everybody uh, uh, piling in here while you do so. Uh, uh, you know, uh, bow down to the YouTube algorithm and, and hit the uh, uh, like button if you get a chance. Uh, hit subscribe so you know when all of our shows here on uh, the OBR uh, go uh, live. Yeah, as we have uh, all sorts of uh, episodes and, and shows all week long here uh, throughout the off offseason. Um, and we will... Uh, I normally be back to our normal night uh, next week on Tuesday for All Eyes on Cleveland. So just keep that in mind for those of you that are keeping track at home. Uh, we have a guest tonight. We're efforting him right at the moment. Uh, and uh, Quincy Carrier will be joining us here in a few moments. But uh, we have uh, tons to talk about as uh, the Browns and Mr. Barry has been uh, very active and pushing all in. Uh, in, in a manner of sorts, uh, with the uh, addition of our uh, safety last week uh, to shore up that room uh, with Rodney McLeod, and then the absolutely huge addition of Zadarius Smith. Uh, so, uh, Zadarius Smith uh, is a guy who uh, we are familiar with because of his time with the Ravens. Uh, then spent uh, where he spent his first four seasons and then spent time in Green Bay and then uh, Minnesota. Now, it's been kind of weird, right? So uh, there have been a number of uh, interviews um, out about his time in Minnesota. And it's been a real mixed bag. So the first, initial first interview I heard was like, great locker room guy. Zedarius Smith is, you know, mentor, you know, be great veteran presence in the locker room. Since then, I've heard about four interviews, four or five interviews of guys, and they're mostly Minnesota uh, reporters here, uh, saying, you know, kind of a mixed bag. Like, he was really good in the locker room until things went south. Or he was really good in the locker room, one guy was mentioning, until he got injured and then he kind of just disappeared. Well... I don't know what you wanted him to do at that point anyways. But it felt it feels a little bit like, I mean, a lot of the, this is commonplace in the NFL, right? Like a lot of, a lot of reporters in cities seem to kick these guys on their way out, right? Just kind of petty, just little jabs on their way out the door. Um, yeah, so, and uh, I've noticed that a lot lately uh, with his... Uh, especially like the interviews surrounding him uh, on his way out. And, and I don't know really where to take it, if it's just petty stuff. Um, Keith says whining cures everything. Well, I don't know about that, but yeah, I, I, I get, you know, I don't know if they're just taking shots on him on his way out uh, or or what, but a real mixed bag recently. And, and you know, they've moved on to Marcus Davenport in... 
you know, Minnesota. So obviously he is the greatest thing in the world to them right now. And Zadarius Smith, I guess, is not all of a sudden. So uh, just kind of weird uh, energy uh, around him and some of the the uh, interviews that we've been hearing. Our guest is here. We will bring him in now. He is fantastic. He is a friend of the show. His name is Quincy Carrier. You can follow him on Twitter at Quinn underscore C, and you can watch all of his YouTube videos, which are all terrific, uh, on YouTube at Quincy Carrier. What's up, Q? Nothing much, man. Just enjoying the offseason and all that it has to offer. Yes, well, it's... Yes, in its ridiculousness, as we were just talking about a little bit there. Uh, I don't know if you've heard any of the, uh, you know, kind of uh, Minnesota writers and reporters kind of weighing in on Zadarius Smith on his way out the door, kind of taking some shots at him. As I initially heard, a great locker room guy, positive, leader, and then they kind of throw in the caveat like, eh, but when things went bad, he kind of went down, you know what I mean, and, and disappeared. Or when he got hurt, he disappeared. What do you make of that? Anything? Is this just the, the normal uh, petty shots out the door that teams, uh, writers seem to take uh, at guys as they leave town? I mean, it's possible that a player can have great relationships with his play with his peers and not necessarily have a great relationship with the media. That's always a possibility. Or maybe the people that he has good relationships with are different people in the building. And that's who people are hearing different things from. You know, maybe he's not somebody that the general manager or or, or the PR people love, but you know, the players in the locker room like him. And he was voted a captain, right? Well, yeah, one of these yeah. So, like, that's what I worry about. Is he not – It's what is he not liked for and what is he not liked about? Like, you're not going to make everybody be happy. You're not going to be everybody's best friend. Not everybody can be Anthony Walker, and that's fine. But, like, isn't we not talking about anything criminal. We're talking about, oh, he don't – We there's a few people – who I guess didn't have the nicest things in the world to say about him. Um, but again, that hasn't affected his play or his no. motor on the field, like a Jadavion Clowney situation. Um, so it's about where you hear this information from, where are the people who are saying it, getting it from? Cause I don't think anybody's lying, but they're definitely hearing it from different sources. And it's yeah. like, you know, Hey, there's some people who, if you ask them about me, not going to have the greatest things to say about me. But it's not necessarily the people who sure. work with me, right? Like, sure. so yeah. you know, it, it's just every everybody has their own interactions. Maybe some people like him, maybe some people don't. But you know, he's yeah. here now, so the relationships that matter aren't the ones that he had in Minnesota. It's the ones that he has in Cleveland. So I think it's important for us to give him that clean slate when he comes here. Because again, we're just talking about a dude who might have made people feel bad, but like, yeah, yeah. Again, the stuff I heard when the Albert Beer report, it wasn't even anything that he substantiated with any story, right? Yeah, his, like his with the Jadavion Clowney stuff, you could substantiate that with the whole story about the Joe Woods and, and the defense and what he was actually doing, what he did not want to do. With this, it's like. Well, you know, he they got tired of him at this place because he just didn't stay there long. And I think it's a lot of assuming because he hasn't signed anywhere long term that he that people don't like him. And I just think it's a lazy assumption to make. Like, let the man make his own reputation here. What's the point to try to get ahead of it? 
Yeah, the the whole Breer thing was like it was weird. I didn't even really take that one that seriously because it sounded like pure speculation. Uh, some of the beat writers out of Minnesota have had some weird things to say. They were all like really positive, but like you know when he I don't know. I, I think it's much to do about nothing uh, at this point, really. Probably uh, as as a as you made the great point. All that really matters is the relationship in in Berea at this point. Uh, let's, uh, dive into some of our topics here tonight. I want to ask you this, right? So Andrew Barry has done a terrific job here lately, kind of shoring up this, this roster, Rodney McLeod, uh, you know, TV star last week on, uh, NFL network, uh, all week long. And, uh, Zadarius Smith here, the most recent acquisitions, but a good draft, a really solid offseason. I mean, he's added 13 players to the defense this offseason. Uh, which is crazy. You're probably looking at like four starters. Um, what is this the best surrounding cast that Miles Garrett has had on paper? He had some pretty decent surrounding casts before. Like I think in 2020, um, Olivier Vernon had like nine sacks and you had a pretty decent interior with Sheldon Richardson and yeah. uh, Larry Ogunjobi. Um, I think uh, with the one year where Jadavion did have the 10 sacks. And again, even like with all the complaining we did about Jadavion Clowney, it didn't matter when we was winning. Right. Like, right. Yeah. You know what I mean, and also another thing to consider, right. You're going to hear stories about people not reacting well on the defensive side of the ball when the defense is bad, because think about how, how much physically and mentally that exhausts a defensive player when the defense is bad, more so than the offense, right? Offense yeah. thinks they go three and out. They, they just don't play that much. If you're on the defense and you stink, you out there all game. All game long. <laughs> you know what I mean? Getting yeah. beat up, right? Yeah. That can't be fun. So, obviously, people aren't going to be the most – they're not going to be super kumbaya there. But, yeah, is it the best supporting cast that he's had? I would say if you factor in the rest of the defense, yes. Um, defensive line-wise, it's up there. I think it's, it's it's tied, if not around, what he had in 2020 and uh, 2021 with yeah. Davion playing well. Yeah, it's, it's close, right? Potentially when you throw in Okoronkwo and potentially what he can do, um, depth-wise maybe, I, I think it's close on paper. So has your uh, feeling about this defense, as far as like a ceiling goes, like expectations, has it changed here with, with Zedaria Smith signing, Rodney McLeod signing? Like, you know, I, I think that at like one point I was feeling like, you know, hey – middle of the road in offense works out is kind of like a path to success is there a is there a world that you see now you i mean i'm sure it's in the range of outcomes so i phrase that probably really improperly there is there a world where that happens of course there is but uh are expectations for a top 10 defense realistic um look it, it's tough for me to go to top 10 as an expectation given sure that one of the sure. worst defenses that we saw in the NFL last year. Last <laughs> yeah. um, it would be a tremendous turnaround if that happens. I would just say there's no reason this defense should be objectively awful, right? There's no excuse for them to be bad. There's no, like last year I was saying, hey, look, they should be good, but there is a fatal flaw with the interior of this defensive line. And then we had the weird Joe Woods secondary stuff go on um, during most of that season. But this year there's really no good reason why they shouldn't be um, at least a middle of the road to pretty good defense. Yeah, I think so too. I think potentially 
end of the year they could come on really strong. I mean, there's a there's a lot of talent on this defense. I, I, I let me ask you this: Do you think Barry's done with the defense in general? So let's just say roster moves in general. Do you think he's done? Like he could do something after June first once that money for uh, John Johnson frees up because he did have a post June first designation, so that money's not free technically until he gets there. Um, but yeah, I, I just think I think for the most part he's done. I think I don't think we're really adding any more big names. I know Ezekiel Elliott's been a name that we've <laughs> been talking about a lot. Yeah. Um, it may maybe even Matt Yadinas, but I think for the most part, they want to see what they have in camp with these young guys at running back and in the interior. You know, they probably want to see what Perrion's gonna do with pads on this year in the different defense. They're probably gonna see what's gonna be what's gonna be the situation with uh Jordan Elliott, Togi and everybody else in that room, and Maurice Hurst. So I think they'll be I think they're pretty much done shopping and they want to look at what they have with these young guys before they go into camp. They feel like they need to pick up a guy um, before camp. That'd be where it happens. But I think until July, I think they're done. So I think, I think they have to add a veteran running back at some point. Like it feels like they're a guy short in that room. And I don't know, maybe, maybe not. Um, but it feels like an, they're an injury away from needing a guy. It's not that hard to get a guy off the street, right, to hand the ball to, especially around this offensive line, if they had to do it. So it's not like they have to go out and get somebody. I don't think it'll be Zeke Elliott. That seems rather far-fetched to me. I kind of look at more like a guy like Justin Jackson or something like that, maybe. Um, you have any thoughts on that? Uh, you th- it's, I mean, it's Ford, it's- which we don't really know what – we have in Ford as a back, really. Yeah, but I think it would be better to figure that out, right? Um, versus kind of just signing somebody just to sign somebody. And if we're worried about Nick Chubb being hurt, the reality is is that if, if Nick Chubb does get hurt for a significant portion of time, what they're going to have to do anyways is get somebody off the street. And that's usually how you fill that role up with running back. I think it's going to be like a Philip Lindsay, a former starter somewhere. There's going to be somebody available. There always is a running back available that used to start that you go ahead and, and figure that out with. Um, and maybe it's Kareem Hunt if he hasn't signed anywhere. Right? <laughs> maybe it's, it's Zeke Elliott if he hasn't signed somewhere. There's going to be somebody available that they're probably going to go to. Um, and also, I think Nick Chubb's carries aren't going to go down, but I think that's going to be because he's going to take 85% of those carries this year um, yeah. versus the 65 that he has had in the past. So if they're not splitting carries, the backup running back position is kind of truly a backup running back position. And you have to find out if Jerome Ford's fine for that spot. If he is cool, you keep him there, right? If he's not, then after camp, you figure out who you can bring in after everybody else does their cutdowns. Either way, it doesn't make sense to fill that role right now because you do need to see what Jordan, what Jerome Ford is before you make decisions about what, what you're going to do if there's an injury here or there. Um, guys are going to be available at the cut downs. Guys are going to be available um, during the season. I don't think there's a big need or a rush to fill the running back role because if Nick Chubb gets hurt, then we just don't run into ball less. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it, the list is not great out there. It's uh, Elliott, Fournette, Hunt, J.D. McKissick is interesting, Mark Ingram, David Johnson, Ke- uh, Kenyon Drake, Marlon Mack, and then Justin Jackson are really the, uh, a lot of guys on the wrong side of 30. 
uh, except for like McKissick and Jackson and uh, I don't know the ages on some of those other guys. But, uh, you know, generally speaking, a lot of guys that are on the wrong end of their career on the street right now. But to your point, there's always going to be somebody out there, right, that's that's towed to the rock before if you need to go that direction. So I do think they should see what they have in Jerome Ford um, and uh, see what kind of role he can. It's interesting. You think he'd go 85% Chubb, right? I, I mean, you think they use him more in the passing game? It, this year than they have before they've been really running them off the field on third downs a lot last year um you think yeah, they, they go away from off that? the field on third down last year because they were splitting carries still right right like that was a the system of splitting carries is that hey some of these things are going to be reserved for kareem hunt some of these things are going to be reserved for nick chubb um i just think that now you know hey, Nick Chubb needs to run a route he'll run a route I think he's capable of doing that he's not mm-hmm. going to be I'm going to open up the field by running routes but you don't need him to be Christian McCaffrey you need him to be Nick Chubb um so I think he'll be fine in that role um if you want to bring in somebody for that that's cool too you can have a dedicated third down back maybe that's Jerome Ford maybe he can do that um but this is not no team in the league really sweats this much about backup running back. I mean, and it usually ends up being fine. Case in point, the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't even know what round Isaiah Pachenko was taken in. I don't think it was was late. Seventh round. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that worked out for them, right? Um, Yeah. Many teams have been able to just kind of figure it out with running back. It's not one of those positions like edge rusher, corner, quarterback. Well, not even quarterback. Your quarterback go down. It don't matter. Uh, but, you know, or or guard or center where there's a lot of backup quality players available and it's a high value position. Uh, running backs, one of those positions where you can get a starter off the street, especially in the limited role that we're going to be asked a running back not named Nick Chubb to play for the Cleveland Browns this year. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, good point. You're watching All Eyes on Cleveland here on the OBR Streaming Network, Twitch, and YouTube. This is special guest Quincy Carrier uh, joining us tonight. Talking Browns after some, uh, you know, nice acquisitions by Andrew Barry, a very good offseason. Browns kind of flying under the radar by most people, uh, <clears throat> power rankings and things like that, uh, except for PFF. They had us at ninth, but I think under the radar is kind of right where we want to be. Uh, let me ask you this. Is linebacker the weakest position room on this team? No, I still think it's defensive interior when you look at depth. Like linebacker, you still got JLK, you have Sione Taki Taki, and you have Anthony Walker. Those are three bona fide NFL starters and one that okay. has the potential to be a star there. Um, and you can fill in guys to rotate behind that. Defensive interior, you really know that you got Dalvin Thomason and you got a competition for that other spot. So I think you can make the argument that that linebacker room is much stronger than defensive interior. I don't think any of them are bad. But uh, I, I know that people have been, like, talking about the linebacker room. In my opinion, I don't really think the position is that much of a need because I think you're fine at what you have at the top. Sure, if you have an injury or two, um, it depends on where that injury is. But let's not act like the Browns' issues with run defense were because um, – Anthony Walker went down. The team stunk yeah. at defending the run before Anthony Walker went down and after Anthony Walker and went after. down. Yeah. Anthony Walker don't play DT. The problem was you didn't have an NFL caliber defensive tackle in that room for most of the season. So that that was the issue. Um, they patched that issue up as much as they could, but you know, you went from like worst of all time to, hey, you know, you're not terrible right now. 
So that's a pretty big jump. It's just not going to be the leap to like, oh, we're top five now that everybody wants. Um, yeah, the, it, it's interesting. Uh, I, they, I just feel like they have no depth at linebacker. I don't really trust anybody after those three guys you named, really. Uh, but it, you, to your point, it's not the reason that that they're that they would fail in that in that area um let me ask you this they they take cedric tillman a lot of people there's there's this narrative around tillman that he is donovan people's jones backup or or not backup replacement succession plan uh they're not going to pay donovan people's jones and this is his replacement here and this is why they drafted him do you believe that I think Cedric Tillman's on the team because they feel like he's a good wide receiver prospect and he might replace uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones. He might replace Amari Cooper. I think they were just trying to draft a good player there, right, at, at 72. I don't think they drafted him with, like, the ideal of being a replacement for one player or another player in mind. Um, we got to see if Cedric Tillman's good before we start charting out who he's going to be replacing. Sure. Um, so I think, this, I think the talks of, of that, or, or him replacing somebody here a little bit premature because we did the same thing with da David Bell last year. Yeah. And it's like he doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, right? like, it does. He's gone. Uh, it is. It feels like he's gone. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Tillman, you're absolutely right. It is premature. Uh, but, uh, you know, it feels like... I guess uh, there's a lot of talk about, like, hey, you're not going to be able to keep A, B, C... Uh, as in more Cooper DPJ past a certain point. So uh, I guess uh, that's kind of where that narrative comes from. And, and Tillman fits that mold. I kind of have a feeling that, I don't know, tell me what you think about this. I think Elijah Moore is going to really shake up the production in this room. Do you, and, and probably maybe be your leading receiver this year uh, that's kind of just how i feel i feel really strongly about him in this offense and with watson do you still think it's cooper it's probably production wise overall production is going to be cooper um now the way i think about this team and the wide receivers is i'm not thinking about them as there's one receiver the one receiver the two receiver the slot i'm thinking about them as a baseball lineup right because their guys are here to fill specific roles this year Elijah Moore is brought in along with Marquise Goodwin because you need home run hitters, right? The, yep. the, the Browns wide receiving room was a lot like the, the Guardians last year where they were a team that could not hit home runs. They could get on base and score points that way, right? And the Browns offense king of the seven-minute drive, long drive. We could score that way, but not necessarily <laughs> with the quick hits, right? So yeah. Elijah Moore is going to be asked to be a home run hitter in this offense. But Amari Cooper is still going to be the leadoff guy. He's still going to be the guy that's the most reliable bat on the team um, when it comes to, hey, get a first down, get 10 yards, get 20 yards here, make a play here. Um, you know, and then you have Donovan Peoples-Jones and then um, everybody else to kind of fill in the rest of that lineup. I think with Elijah Moore, I don't know if the numbers are going to be crazy, if he gets 800 yards but has a good amount or is in the top of the league in 220-plus-yard receptions, he's doing exactly what he was brought in here for, right? We yeah. want him to hit home runs. I don't think the overall production is going to be super indicative of his impact on this team because if he's hitting those home runs, and this offense is going to be able to flow. And home runs in football would be 20-plus-yard yeah. <laughs> receptions, not touchdowns.
Yeah, absolutely. Okay, uh, let's transition here uh, a little bit to, uh, let me ask you this, the schedule. Uh, initial thoughts of the Browns getting three divisional games in the first four weeks. Kind of unforgiving. Good thing, bad thing, not sure. I mean, it's kind of unfortunate in my estimation, but they do kind of get a soft stretch down the stretch in the schedule. What did you make of it? Anything that jumps out to you? Um, I thought the first few weeks of the season are important, right? It's nice that you get to play your division opponents and get tested in your run defense before you hit that bye week. Um, it, it's going to be... It's going to be an NFL schedule. You know, we do this every year with the schedule. Who has the worst schedule? Who has the toughest schedule? <laughs> every year there's a team that's not supposed to be good that ends up being really good. And every team this year, there's well, every team, there's a, every year <laughs> there's a team that is supposed to be great that falls below expectations. Think of the Broncos last year, right? You know, if you played the Broncos twice last year, oh, my goodness, that's tough. But did it end up being two of the easier games that you played? Um, or you never know when you're going to catch a team because, yeah, the Bengals are really tough. But what if Joe Burrow misses week one for whatever reason? Right. Or what if the week you play them, they don't have somebody. We always bring this up at the end of the season. Will you beat Lamar? You beat a Lamarless Ravens team. These are things we cannot project when it comes yeah. to the schedule. And this is why I always say, is your schedule going to be tough? Yes, because you play in the NFL. Yeah. And in NFL, it's not a cliche. The Texans could beat the Chiefs. That's how that's how difficult the NFL is. Can the worst yeah. college team beat the best college team? No, never. never. I don't care how many times Rutgers lined up against Georgia. They never beat in Georgia. But you put Texas up against the uh against the Chiefs, they'll win. They'll win one of those games. So that's just what it is in the NFL. Every year the schedule's unpredictable. It's unpredictable what teams are going to be playing like when you play them. The Bills were a different team at the beginning of the season than they were at the end of the season. It's going to be tough because you're playing in the NFL. So playing the schedule game, it's fruitless. You got to just take it week by week during the season and, and see where you are there because it's just impossible to predict all the variables that can go into what makes your schedule good or what makes it difficult. Yeah. Uh, strength of schedule has no meaning it's outside of the division, except, you know, um, I think it's interesting that they do play the three teams at the beginning. It can, it, it could, you know, it could be disastrous. It could be great. Uh, you know what I mean? And then they get the early buy. So it is, it is a little bit of a schedule quirk, which you get like the a couple, couple years ago, they played Baltimore and then had a bye week and played Baltimore again. Weird quirks like that is something that kind of matter. Uh, but other than that, you know, to your point, you don't know who you're going to face a quarterback. Injuries are going to happen. Stuff like that's going to happen. Sometimes it falls your way and sometimes it doesn't. Um, do you believe Joe Burrow when he says he's going to take this hometown discount? I mean, I don't think he's come out and said that. He said, hey, he'll keep other things he, in mind. He's saying what he's supposed to say. Right he now, alluded right? to the fact that he was going to uh, let other guys get paid as well. Yeah, I mean, like, what's he supposed to say? No, I'm going to take all your money. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. he will find out what he's actually saying when he gets his contract, right? Because he can't really come out and say, oh, no, I'm just going, I'm going to get my worth or anything else like that. So, you know, maybe he takes a hometown discount. Maybe he takes a deal after Jamar Chase and T. Higgins get their money so he can slot his in there as well. 
or maybe he actually just gets the best deal for himself. I think, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's like we can we can dissect what they say in public all day. It's kind of like NBA free agency. Kyrie once said he was never leaving Cleveland. LeBron yes. has said it multiple times, right? Yeah. Like it, it, we know it's business, and right now it's not good business for him as the current quarterback of the Bengals to say, I'm about to take all the money. You know what I mean? Like it's just yeah. you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. I uh, I guess it it's uh it's interesting though. I mean I don't know. Joe's a different guy, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out, especially in Cincinnati there. Uh this is kind of a, a question that a couple people have been throwing around and I thought it was worth presenting to you. I'm interested to hear what you had to say uh about this. What do you think about uh the NFL going to the draft lottery, Quincy? That'd be weird. Why would they do that? You know, it's like the NBA, they have to do that because you have to worry about tanking. But football is not one of those games that you can tank. Like a lot of this stuff that we worry about with football. Well, go ahead. I was going to say the only reason they would do it that I can think of is just another thing to monetize, right? Like another event, like they've turned the schedule into a thing that's a whole week event now. And this is just another off season thing that they could monetize. Go ahead. Yeah, but tanking is never going to become enough pro- big enough problems where you're going to get the, the all 32 teams to vote for that. Um, I, th- I think it's a terrible idea, actually. Like, um, if you're a bad football team, it usually is because you're talent deprived and you need to get better players. Um, if you want to do this to lottery, like, what is it? What problem does it actually solve? If you're worried about tanking, we talk about tanking all the time in the NBA. So yes. it, it just increased the it, all it does is increases the amount of teams that are tanking because now instead of having a team that could have the 15th pick if they win versus the 13th pick, they don't really care. They just try to play that game. Now you're going to have teams like, oh, well, our lottery odds and we could get the number one overall pick. And it's just going to make this dumber. Like we don't need to do this. Um, it, it, it would devalue the regular season because I think more teams would try to, instead of having three teams that are trying to suck because they're at the bottom three of the pick order, you'll start to see five or six or maybe even 10 teams try to get in the lottery to get a quarterback. And it, it, it's fine the way it is. You don't have to worry about abject tanking in the NFL because, yeah, you can put together a bad team, but you can't make these dudes not play hard because you're going to get hurt in football doing that. So, you know, it's just it's 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 one of those things that people are going to throw out. But I don't think I don't think they're going to do it because it just doesn't make sense. And I don't think it makes the product any better. It does give them an extra show they could do. Sure. But yeah, I yeah. Mean, there's only so much. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I tend to agree that uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense in football because, like, hey, the worst team in football generally does need the best player, right? Like, and that kind of does uh, help with that. And, and I, it's actually a really good point, something I didn't even think of, where you're talking about, like, a mediocre team or a five-win team all of a sudden is now trying to lose more than they normally would because to increase their odds. So it kind of would backfire a little bit in the NFL uh, when you think about it. But it, they do have it in every other sport, so it's kind of an interesting uh, uh, thing. I think maybe they do – somebody said in the chat they just do the top five in hockey. Is that right? I have no idea. Uh, interesting, though. Uh, Why do all we right. need a lottery? Like, what is it? Like, that's the thing. Like, to people proposing, oh, we could do it like this or that. We can't be bringing in solutions for problems that don't exist. That's a good point. Yeah, I agree. 
Yeah, leave it how it is. I agree. Uh, it's just people have been talking about it. Uh, are you concerned? Okay, so this is, you know, I do a segment uh, sometimes, thing or not a thing. Thing or not a thing, Juan Thornhill on Twitter, uh, very active. You see this post, uh, thing or not a thing, this this post here. Fans are not. It's, it's 100% a thing. It's, it's like, you've been around long enough to know this. Yes. I know. I want to hear what you have to say about it. We we have seen we have seen the tweets and the comments that we get. I know what y'all be saying during my live streams. I'll be yelling at y'all because y'all be like, "Oh, the Browns are down by three point in the first quarter." Oh my god, this is the worst thing. I yes, <laughs> I've seen y'all, dog, and he's seen y'all. And he's not used to y'all because they don't do that in Kansas City. Um, so, you know, it, 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 it is one of those things. And then you have the wings of this fan base, for whatever reason, are invested in being pessimistic about it because, I don't know, somebody, like, hurt them and they never recovered from it. So this is what they do for fun. Um, it just is what it is. Um, and I can understand why somebody who is not familiar with it would take one whiff of it and go, ew, y'all smell like losers. Could y'all not do that anymore? Because yeah. I be saying that and I be rooting for this team for like 20 years. Y'all do be smelling like some losers sometimes, man. Y'all gotta stop. Y'all gotta stop. You know? It's brutal. It ain't that time no more. Did you see the comments underneath? He said, I don't care. <laughs> He wrote something like, I don't care about anything well, that happened in the past. what people said, right? Where people were yeah. like, oh, Juan, you got to understand this and that. And it's like, said, yeah, dog, I don't. He said, I don't care. I don't care about <laughs> no, anything that happened before I got here. Nah, he that's not, not his responsibility to deal with, right? Like, we want to put all of our trauma on every single one of these players who ever come to play in Cleveland. And then we wonder why people don't want to play in Cleveland because we'd be out here trying to just, here's 30 years of trauma. Here you go, Juan. Yeah. Wear it. We want you, you gotta to wear understand, it. You Juan. You got to understand, Juan. Yeah. It's like, dog. Like, you know. Like, leave the man alone. He's not even trying to tweet about football. He's not. He don't even – he just be tweeting. Like, yes. let that man tweet. We got to uh, – but, yeah, people just – people be doing their thing sometimes. And I understand why somebody would feel it. It's crazy. It's crazy. All right. Let's uh, let's proceed. I, I wanted to hit uh, Juan, who is – does tweet a lot, a lot, and also got this crazy tattoo <laughs> okay, of now that's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. That is crazy. Uh, he ain't played a game. All right, that's insane. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's all in, man. He is all. He is I, all. I guess he just in. gets a tattoo for every team he's played on. Like, is there a Chiefs one? I I, I don't know. I don't have a zoom in on his arms. Maybe, I didn't inspect him, sense. but yeah. But, uh, yeah. He got the elf. He got Brownie the elf. All right. I, I look. I ain't getting the elf tattooed on me. Now I'm worried about him because I know what that elf did against the Jets. I know, right? The game, right now. If he blows a play, I'll be playing the elf. You got to get that removed. <laughs> I know. Uh, he was chiming in on. So we, I, I've had this discussion with you, you know, multiple times. But you know, there's been some development since it happened the last time. So we've got to talk about it before we get to the last thing here. Oh, sorry about that. Uh, and uh, we've had our slot conversations multiple times on this show, and so I ain't gonna get in it because you, you had the best take on the whole thing when you know we talked about you know who actually is good in the slot and i've quoted your 
your comments from that episode many times about you know undrafted free agents, the guys that don't want to do it, the, you know that 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 fit in to play the slot role. The Browns. So the whole thing that happened with Rosenhaus, right? Coming in, they go have a meeting. He comes out. Schefter's tweet. He's happy, right? I'm happy with his role. He had to have heard. He had. My belief is 100%. Quincy, they told him whatever he wanted to hear in there. You don't have to play slot anymore, right? Okay. Now they drafted uh, Cam Mitchell, who I like as a slot prospect. How does this shake out? Who starts for the Browns? Who's running out there the first time they go into nickel this season uh, on the field? Is it going to be Emerson, Ward, and and Newsom? I mean, it depends on what they want to do. If they're going to run more man, then you're not going to have that much room to have a true nickel corner in there, right? Yeah. So, you know, it, it just depends on what they want to do. Um, he's not going to be, like, doing run fits. Like, I don't right. think that's what they're going to be doing with him. I think that was the issue is he just didn't want to do run fits no more yeah. at the percentage of snaps that he was doing them at. He said, I didn't want to play linebacker. He said he felt like he played linebacker last year. Yeah. So, yeah. I I, I agree. I, 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 I think they told him, you know, whatever they told him, but he wasn't happy. I know that. And Juan, and Juan hopped in on that one too. He was he was all about that one too. All right, so then we got we get we're uh, running up against it here. So we're gonna get up out of here before eight o'clock because you know the NBA tonight, uh, of course. Uh, but I wanted to take a look here at uh, here is the picture, folks. I don't know. I can't tell who is who in this picture. Uh, this is craziness. And then there was a there was a goofy. The goofiest of uh, Instagram videos of them all jogging in the sand at like zero miles per hour. It was really goofy. But uh, so on the far right there, that's Elijah Mitchell in the T-shirt. Got uh, Josh Dobbs behind him. Yep. You got Dobbs on there. I see uh, Cooper in the back is wearing a T-shirt and sweat and sweatpants at the beach. Demetric Felton, then DPJ, Anthony Schwartz. Um, then you have Deshaun Watson. That's Coop right next to Watson. Yeah. Uh, Jame- that's what? Uh, Grant. Ja- Jakeem. Jakeem Grant. Um, is that Nick Chubb? That looked like Nick Chubb. Yeah, Nick, Nick Chubb, Chubb and Joku. David and Joku. Probably a practice squad guy. Probably a practice squad guy. A probably a practice squad guy in the, in the big shirt. I don't know who that is. Um, and I don't know who that is at the bottom. But, yeah, it's, now, it seems like uh, pretty much the whole offense. Yeah, now Emerson, there was a picture, too. Emerson and Ward are there, too, now. Because uh, there's a picture of them running around on the rooftop with a bottle of something in their hands the other day. So they down there having fun. Uh, so that's cool. And... Uh, it's a pretty crazy picture, though. Um, and, uh, yeah, easy to pick out in Joku for sure. All right, pretty cool stuff there. All right, so uh, th- as far as power rankings, expectations, this team uh, has been flying under the radar. It's kind of like the Watson tax, right? Like nobody wants to, you know, the Browns have, Barry has put together a, a Super strong roster talent wise, I think, right? It's been a very good offseason. Um, 
Will Brinson had him 7-10, and 10, last place in the AFC North, right? Uh, uh, CBS, just the other day, after the trade, most power rankings have him, have him in the high teens. Uh, I'm totally cool with this. What are your expectations for this team? Like, realistically, and I know we always say it doesn't matter what they did or whatever, you know, what it all depends on what Watson does, right? Like, ultimately, it's, it's what Watson does. Well, 10 to 12 wins is 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 what you should get this year. Um, uh, that's what you should want from this team. And I think that's a fair bar for where this team is at. It's about 10 to 12 wins. Um, if they achieve that, they'll be in the playoffs. If they don't, then they're going to either be fighting for the wild card or be horribly disappointing. Do you think um, that wins that does, – does 11 wins win them the division? Yeah. yeah, 11 wins win the division. It's won the division the last two years. Um, there's no reason why it win it this year. Uh, I know we think of the AFC North as a team – as a division that's going to have a lot of good teams, but since they have all these good teams – they're going to beat up on each other a lot, right? Um, yeah. So 11 wins, is that's going to be what wins the division. I mean, Joe Burrow and the Bengals have been playing as good as anybody. They couldn't get past 11 wins the last couple of years. So, yeah, I think 11 is probably going to be enough to get you in. Um, you could win the division with 11. You could not win the division with tiebreakers in 11. You could get third place this year with 11, like the Browns did in 2020. <laughs> um, so, you know, it, it there's – a lot of ways it could shake out, but I would say 10 to 12 wins is probably the range for this team. Uh, is, um, what are your, what's your view on Pittsburgh's roster at this point? Like what they did this off season, and everything. Do you feel like they're the worst team in the AFC North? I think by default, they are the worst team in the AFC North, but I wouldn't be surprised. They snuck up on somebody, right? Yeah. Like they're not a bad team, especially defensively. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, let's uh, see if we got any questions in here. I, you know, I we got uh, I got to get my parlays in before the uh, NBA game night. Will you been you been watching the NBA playoffs? A little course, bit. Course, I yeah. watched a lot of the Cavs, but um, not so much recently. Oh, okay. Got the Joker and uh, this this West series is wild. Uh, let's see here. Um, is Harrison Bryant done on this roster? I think they're looking to move on from him, but, you know, they'll probably give him one more camp before they make that decision. But that's that's about as far as it goes with him. He's kind of in the Anthony Schwartz territory where it's like, yeah, I mean, there's no reason to cut you. So let's just see what you got this year in camp before we give up on you. Um, Jim Schwartz. If there was one guy you think from watching the team last year or whatever that a, an incumbent player that was here last year that makes a leap this year because of Schwartz's presence, who do you think that is? Probably going to be somebody on the defensive line. Think Alex Wright. Think Perrion Winfrey. Think um, maybe Jordan Elliott. Jordan Elliott, right? It's probably going to be somebody, um, Isaiah Isaiah Thomas, right? Somebody on that defensive line. I think that's going to be who benefits the most um, from Jim Schwartz coming in. I do also think that maybe you could see more out of Denzel Ward too because he'll be playing man-on-man uh, -man a little bit more, and that's what he's really strong at. You think that you see a, a huge uptick in man with that, with with him, not a huge, in? but you'll see a reasonable uptick in man for sure. Um, 
And uh, you think you'll see a lot now that they have Rodney McLeod. You think we see a lot of three safeties on the field at times? I'm interested to see what they do with Ronnie McLeod. I'm not familiar enough with his game to know what his strengths and weaknesses are. I have to do more research on him before I really get into that. But I think, you know, they're going to try to get as many good football players on the field as possible. And Ronnie McLeod, from everything I've heard, seems like he's a good football player. He does. He does. uh, And seems like a really good guy. He was uh, actually did a really good job on NFL Network. Um, all right, man. Listen, I've taken enough of your time. I appreciate you, Quincy. You are always a gentleman and always terrific. So thank you for joining us again on All Eyes on Cleveland, man. Go check him out. Quincy Carrier at Quinn underscore C uh, at Quincy Carrier on YouTube uh, videos uh, daily. Check, go check him out. Thanks, man. Thank you. All right. Uh, so th- big thanks to Quincy uh, coming on the show here. Uh, I have, let's see, we've got a couple minutes, uh, folks, let's, uh, if you have your questions, now would be the time to fire away, and I will scroll back here and see kind of, uh, if we missed anything in the chat, because of course we want to, uh, pay homage to this incredible chat that we have here, uh, always, uh, in the youtube and twitch chat going back to this picture so this is tremendous and i don't know if you guys saw this picture uh of ward and emerson running on the roof uh in puerto rico but pretty cool they're down there too uh this wild picture man i don't don't think i've ever seen uh would slot corner be something the browns could look at after uh, the first round of cuts. I think <clears throat> I think that the guy they have to and, and to Quincy's point, I think that the guy they have with Cameron Mitchell fits what they want to do. So, like, there's there's a, a couple of different situations where you're going to have a guy lining up to cover a slot wide receiver. It could be a safety. It could be Rodney McLeod, right? You, it could be um, a Delpit up in the box. Sometimes it's a linebacker. When you want to go true nickel, right, it could be Newsom. If it's like a pass situation and you're for sure looking at three wide receivers, 11 personnel, you could have Newsom out there. You know, once again, he doesn't have to worry about the run fits, whatever. He's played inside a little bit. That's the main thing is he doesn't want to have to play the run all day. Uh, but if you're looking at like a true nickel on first and second downs, I think it's Cameron Mitchell's job. Probably he is kind of has that nasty to him. He'll play the run and, and can cover, uh, if you're looking for a nickel to do that, or you may get a safety in there doing doing similar things, as I think that McLeod brings it and an, a, another very good player on this roster who can fill that role. Besides the replacement for Kareem, do you feel like uh, there is any other needs on this roster? I, I personally think... Um, that 
they do need a running back at some point. Like, I get, like, you want to see Jerome Ford, but I do think that they need a veteran running back at some point. I, I would prefer to have one in camp than have to go out on the street and get one if there was an injury. Or say Jerome Ford isn't exactly who you, you thought he was. We've only really seen him in the preseason and return kicks. Now, they've seen him more than that, right? So, so they they likely know more about what Jerome Ford is. Um, but I do think that you're talking about uh, a guy like, uh, just like I, I think J.D. McKissick or Justin Jackson would be a perfect fit because we know they can catch the ball out of the backfield, right? And we know that they could carry the ball 15 to 20 times if somebody got dinged. Uh, defensive tackle absolutely still on the table. Shelby Harris and Matt Ioannidis are your two guys that you're looking at really that are like, so you take, they took their lottery shots on Tristan Hill and Maurice Hurst and Maurice Hurst is super talented. Don't get me wrong. He is extremely talented. So if he stays healthy, he could start right next to Tomlinson. So if they go defensive tackle and really push in, like, and that would be really pushing in. I, I mean, Barry was not just okay with going out and getting Melvin Ingram or whoever he was rumored to get. He actually went out and got a, a guy two tiers above that in Zedarius Smith. So, and same thing with Rodney McLeod. Like, in the past, these are moves that we've asked them to make to shore up the roster, and he's actually doing them this year. So, kudos to him and good timing because. Now you have the quarterback for the entire season, right? But if there is, if you are going to go defensive tackle, it needs to be better than the lotto guys that you took already, like Hurst and Hill. So the only two guys that are like somebody that you could push in as a starter and that would actually improve the roster and worth that money are Shelby Harrison and Ioannidis are the only two guys. So I, I do think it's, it's on the table. Um, Keith asking... Uh, Keith, friend of the show, Keith Nash, uh, asking, uh, will they keep three quarters? They So they will keep three quarterbacks on the roster, uh, probably not dress one. like So they did this with Mond all of last year, right? He was on the roster all of last year uh, on the 53, and then he just didn't dress, right? And that protected him from exposure to waivers. So... Whoever wins this, I think it'll be Dobbs winning it and probably DTR, right? And so you're probably going to see all three on the roster and one of them not dressing uh, for the majority of the season. Uh, question here from uh, J. Roger 86 How many linebackers will we carry? Uh, could that be where we trim out the roster? So linebackers interesting, right? Because... You get, they probably carry six, I would think. Uh, that's you're go, Those guys are going to play, all three of the guys that you do carry as backups are going to be special teams guys, right? So um, it, it maybe seven sometimes because you'll get a guy like, uh, Kus, what's his name, Kusanich? Yeah, or Kusanich. Uh, a guy like that who's really good at special teams and also plays linebacker and give you a couple snaps if somebody gets dinged and is a really good special teams player. So uh, I think that that is something that you could see. Um, but, yeah, that's probably what they'll carry. 
um, six, maybe seven uh, linebackers. Uh, we often see Pat Shea. Uh, also uh, appreciate you guys all uh, being in the chat here tonight. Good-sized crowd uh, showing up for Quincy and uh, sticking around for these questions, so thank you guys. We often see plenty of playoff uh, season workout video clips. Is it too early or are they uh, intentionally not posting? I don't know. You're, you're right. They, we do see workout clips. Uh, we haven't seen anything from Nick Chubb yet, right? Like lifting a thousand, eighteen thousand million pounds at his alma mater, like we do every offseason. That scares the crap out of us, right? Um, now, OBJ's gone. So for lots of years, a lot of those videos were just OBJ working out because he likes to do a lot of that. And he's in in uh baltimore uh i'll be interesting to see what his injury timeline is uh you know i'm sure that that he's ready to go but um how do they roll him out do they monitor his snaps things like that uh yeah miles too absolutely right pat you you see something with miles uh working out for sure um and we may still see that it may be a little early for that um but, guys, I mean, we're talking about this season being one of the – this this offseason camp is going to drag on. And I was talking about with this Jake on Sunday night. It's going to be a long, long, long uh, offseason because they're going to get out a week early after OTAs, and they're going to be back July, mid-July, July 22nd, and they don't play a game till September 8th. It's going to feel like an eternity – four preseason games including the hall of fame game uh it's it's gonna feel like an eternity this offseason is they're gonna be in greenbrier they get the week with the eagles there'll be lots of narratives lots of stuff to talk about but uh yeah it, it's it's gonna feel like an eternity for sure um keith asks with nick chubb uh cap hit at 16 million and 2024, do you think he gets an extension? No, I do not think he will get an extension. I think they will use him more than they have here, um, kind of to what Quincy alluded to. Like instead of getting 65% of the snaps that you do run the ball, you probably get 85% of less snaps that you run the ball this year, incorporate him in the pass game a little bit, the screen game, things like that. But I think they need to start planning for the next regime there because uh, as good as he is and as special as he is, um, I you know I think this contract maybe I could be wrong maybe he surprises Saul I mean he's done it before right but uh, just the way the offense is trending the way the money is trending guys you're gonna have to pay at more premier positions than running back eventually here um, I just feel like that position is gonna be one where they try to go cheaper. Uh, at some point in the near future. They also need to get cheaper on the offensive line. Any position groups carrying a surprising number, three quarterbacks, is a surprise to me. Yeah, it is to me too. Uh, it is to me too, but they did it last year, right? And I think that if you spend, and you guys know how I felt about this pick, and I won't get into it, but if you spend a fifth-round pick on a quarterback like uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson and you 
paid some guaranteed money to a guy like Dobbs who has a pre-existing relationship with Watson going back to like 10th grade who knows the system who knows the coaching staff it feels like a a, a one-year job for Dobbs to back up Watson and then transition out and let Donovan or Dorian Thompson Robinson fill in behind him as the backup uh, in 2024 and beyond but because that feels like the plan and Mon's probably the odd man out here uh, and because you spent a fifth round pick on him you can't expose him to waivers right like somebody would snatch him up so he will have to be on the roster I would assume uh, and that's the only reason that they'll carry three and the reason we know that they will do it is because they did it last year with Mond all year so uh, but yeah there you have it um Thank you, guys. It has been an hour. Time flies when you're having fun. You guys are fantastic. This has been another edition of All Eyes on Cleveland. Big thanks to Quincy Carrier for taking time out of his evening to spend with us here on the show. You guys are great. Uh, I will be back next week at our regular time on Tuesday evening at 7 p.m. I look forward to seeing you all there. Uh, make sure... You hit the like button. Make sure you read our articles. My articles this weekend, I'll actually have one on free agent running backs available to the team. Uh, and, of course, things I think I know. Article written version by myself at the OBR. Read everybody else's stuff at the OBR. And, of course, go uh, listen to me and Jake's Things I Think I Know podcast on Sunday night. Uh, and with that... Uh, for everybody over at the OBR and all of you fantastic people in the chat, we are out. Have a lovely Thursday night.